Do you think that's a little Dude. bit of a cold open? Yeah. Okay. Do it. Do it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow, you're so nervous. What's your problem, bro? I I found that I have been found lacking when it comes to my abilities. What? I I haven't I'm not getting to you, am I? You done got. What? No, I'm not that mean. No, you're mean. <laughs> you're like, no, you're mean. <laughs> I was like, that's not how most people react to that. I'm just speaking the truth in love. Oh, are you now? No, what, what, no mm -hmm. did I mess you up? Mm-mm. <laughs> are you okay? Deep breaths. Okay. I, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that through our discussion here today that we will show people that it actually isn't as scary as they may think it is. But maybe we'll find that it is incredibly scary, scary. And, and way worse than, than you ever first thought. I, I don't know. Like, having, having prepped for this, I'm less intimidated than I was. Well, that's good. <laughs> I like how you're so not on the same level as me. <laughs> What? <laughs> What's wrong with you? How much time do we have? <laughs> Welcome to Edwin's therapy session. Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver lunch break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to Sally Forth. Join the dynamic duo, Edwin and Megan, as they explore topics of gravitas and pomp brought to the brink of absurdity and thrown off, down, down, down the precipice of ridiculousness. Well, I guess we're, we're keeping people in suspense now, but today we are talking about T.S. Eliot and the the man, the myth, the legend, but we're also going to be taught, like, doing an introduction to him and mostly talking about his poetry, right? Not his critical... Not so um, much about his biography or his critiques or his plays. Right. So we're just going to... We'll have to save that for another day. Yes. We're going to have to leave lots of stuff for another day. Indeed. Verily, yay. Yay, verily, yay. Yay? When you're looking at somebody as important a figure mm -hmm. as Eliot, there's... With such a mass of, of work and good work. Yeah. You yeah. know, like I, I esteem to be the artist that has the one good piece of art. So people can really get a grip on who, who Megan is. Yeah. It's like, she wasn't that great. You know, like most of it was, was all crap. But that one piece... One hit wonder. That one hit wonder. I, I wouldn't mind being that, actually. I think that'd be kind of cool. Then you can really just, like, see how it was just luck, really. But, that... but later in life. Because, like, the people who are, like, 20 and get their one hit wonder, and then they just have to, like, live with the burden yeah. of having done that, and then they have nothing else, right? And, yeah. and people are like, well, why why can't you just make that again? And you're yeah. like, well, uh, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, I think it's better to so, be a late bloomer. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I want to be like close to death and have it enjoy all like, like long enough to enjoy all the, the money and the fame, of course. Of course. But then just like kick the bucket after that. Yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, 
Elliot was not really a late bloomer or like a idiot savant or he was just average. No, he, <laughs> he vastly above average. He was above average in terms of intellect. Yeah. Very obviously it's very apparent, but his poems were not immediately received well. Mm. I took some time for that to happen and he, yeah. uh, Definitely lived the life of a starving artist for most of his career. And he also pursued a lot of education. Like, I, I heard that he had a, almost, he could have had a doctorate in, I believe, philosophy. Yes, that's correct. And he wrote, like, what would he have to write? Like, a dissertation? dissertation. He yep. wrote that all out, but he didn't submit it. That's right. So, I don't know, like, he obviously, clearly pursued a lot of education. Mm-hmm. And very, very smart man. It's interesting that he went from philosophy to poetry because... They're very connected, though. I th- they can be. Well, I, guess I don't they can think be. It, in no? academia they're not typically connected. No, you don't have, like, philosophy major with a minor of poetry. Not typically. Right. But I think you, you have to kind of think of, like, ethereal thoughts. Kind of, you know, like you're abstracting, right? Thoughts and philosophy, and I think that's the same thing, like with poetry. And you're and like you're trying to express. You're also human... thinking big thoughts, and and yeah, philosophy when it's done well is encompassing all of life, right? And that's you know, like you have to hold many pails of water up in the air, right? When you're contemplating these things, and I think that's the same thing with poetry. Is it's not just a literal meaning. It's like you're holding all these things and you're combining uh, works of art from the past, like poetry from the past, and you're combining it with sound of words. So, like, you're using the language. And he mixes languages, too. Much to my chagrin, I think is the right word. (laughs) Much to my chagrin, I read The Wasteland. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Read it today. Uh, But there was a couple French parts and a couple German parts. I'm like, I'm not that smart. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me get uh, Google Translate out here. And like, I didn't, I just, we'll kind of like later talk about how we read Elliot uh, for this introduction to him. But yeah, like that was the kind of the one part where I'm just like, oh man, I should have stuck with my second languages. So I, I would have known how that, that would read. I mean, purely just I wanted to know how to pronounce it. I I didn't mind so much I didn't know what it meant. I could actually kind of figure out. But again, like, I wanted to hear how it sounded. Because, like, to have German all of a sudden really cuts in, right? Like, that's a different sound to us. And then again, like, the French is a much softer sound. So I was like, that's that playing with sound uh, I would have liked to have been privy to in that moment. Mm -hmm. But that will come later. So my, my question, yes, my very, very interesting question, my, my, my question that I have been formulating through the week. Is this the piece of art that this question is? The this piece of this art? is basically my one hit wonder in this question. Okay. Hit me with your one hit wonder. Hit me with your best shot. Hit me with your best shot. Why don't you hit me with your best shot? Hit me with your best shot. What brought you to Elliot in this moment in your life? Ooh. Was Perfect. It, was Perfect. that good? I love it. Because yeah, it, I thought kinda... like, we needed an inn for this. We're like, how, how do we do this? And like, we didn't want a hotel. 
and motels are kind of outdated, so we we got an inn. <laughs> I got you that time. That was so dumb. <laughs> you didn't think I was gonna do that, did you? Uh. <laughs> the 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 inn the the I N N um is great. No. I have been perplexed by Elliot ever since do you remember first time we were introduced to Elliot? I don't actually. Okay, what happened is we're we're homeschooled, right? Mm-hmm. And one day, for whatever reason, dad decides to walk us into the fancy room, the parlor. Oh the yes. living room. Yep. Okay, and we're sitting down in there and he pulls a book off the shelf and it's like, Okay, I want I wanna read this to you. He get he gets the book out of the, the collected poems of Elliot. And he turns to the pages and goes, Hmm, no, not that, no, hmm. Okay, there there's the one I was looking for. And then he reads this. The hippopotamus. The broad backed hippopotamus rests on his belly in the mud. Although he seems so firm to us, he is merely flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is weak and frail, susceptible to nervous shock, while the true church can never fail, for it is based upon a rock. The hippo's feeble steps may err in encompassing material ends, while the true church need never stir to gather in its dividends. The potamus can never reach the mango on the mango tree, but fruits of pomegranate and peach refresh the church from oversea. At mating time, the hippo's voice betrays inflections hoarse and odd. But every week we hear rejoice the church at being one with God. The hippopotamus's day is passed in sleep. At night he hunts. God works in a mysterious way. The church can sleep and feed at once. I saw the potamus take wing, ascending from the damp savannas, inquiring angels round him sing the praise of God in loud hosannas. Blood of the Lamb shall wash him clean, and him shall heavenly arms enfold. Among the saints he shall be seen performing on a harp of gold. He shall be washed as white as snow by all the martyred virgins kiss, while the true church remains below wrapped in the old miasmal mist. I love that line, the miasmal mist. Yes. Love it. Love that poem. I didn't realize that that was... That was our first introduction to Elliot. Was it? No. Yes. I don't remember that. Yeah. I remember you memorizing it. That was was a couple years later. later. Many years later, I was working on a memorizing a, a poem by Auden. And then you said, yeah, I'm, I'm memorizing this poem. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I thought, wow, this is an incredible poem. And it's it's an, in a form that's a little easier to memorize because of the, the rhyming couplets, right? Yes. So it's a good poem to memorize. It is a good one. But, uh, yeah, really, that's really cool that that's the one. You, yeah, you remember that introduction to him with that. Yeah. And that's a really good place to start, I think. Like, it's very... Uh, it's a it's one that you can get your your hands around, but a little bit. But you still gotta wrestle with it. Well, that's the thing with poetry, though. It's like you're you're not supposed to ever get everything from it. I don't right. think like that's you. Th- there's a case for that to be in, with any piece of art, but I think particularly in paintings and in poetry, 
a good one, you're never going to get everything out. And what you want to build is a relationship with it where you become familiar with it, comfortable with it. You, you start noticing more details about it and like the more the, the history of it. But I mean like the history of like just the individual piece, like just like, yeah, like it, it takes on a life of its own. I guess is what I'm it saying. It becomes an old friend. And that's when, like, you walk by it or you, you glance by it. It's that old friend. And every time you see that old friend, your your bond is strengthened and you find something new with him. It's like when you... I don't know, like, if you ever had, like, a friend that you don't live nearby and, you feel like, you get, get to reconnect with them. Yeah. And it's like... You build upon the things that you already know, but then you find something else you didn't know. Right. And you, you keep adding to it. Yeah. So you keep adding these, these and pieces. And that's partly like with, with art, when, whenever you look at a piece of art, you can never look at the same piece of art twice mm-hmm. in a way because you change every time. Right. Right. You have different life experiences as you go go forward and, and, and time changes you. Mm-hmm. And so... It's like a river. Yeah. It's the same river, but you don't step in it twice. Yeah. But that's, so I guess you're saying, though, that you are the river and the art steps in you. Don't try to think about no, that. No, that one Not, didn't work. No. We're going to move on from that. <laughs> no, but I, I think what you see with Elliot's poetry, too, is he's a very complex person, right? And he had a, he's, if you go way back. Back through the years, I go wondering once again. To the seasons of my youth. And you remember when we talked about border stalkers? Mm-hmm. Elliot's a border stalker. Because he's born in America. and But most of his professional life takes place in London. And it's interesting. that he go, He's born in Missouri along the Mississippi. So... In, in essence, you can almost think of him as a his childhood as almost being like a, a Huck Finn or a, a Tom Sawyer. At least he would relate very much to that. Like he he's seen the yeah. big mild wild river. Yeah. Right. And as a child, but his family's legacy is from Massachusetts area, mm. fr- from New England, right? Yeah. And very prominent okay. people there, right? Yeah. His. His great grandfather's cousin was John Quincy Adams. Oh, so does he come from money then, is like, or just like, or is it more like the name? Like, the, is it more from from aristos, uh, from the from from the aristocracy, from the elite, but not the wealthy? Sure, there's definitely a, a distinction. Yes. Yeah. So his his father was a successful businessman, but he never really inherited. They weren't loaded. No. Okay. No, they were not loaded. Not, so, not like how I will be after what my one famous work. Yes. Not not <laughs> how you're going to be after people start appreciating that question that you had to open this. And like, right, exactly. Once they figure it out. Yeah, and yeah. dropping all that coinage in those donation buckets below. <laughs> hey. So, so he's, an, he's an outsider. Yes, but he's, he he's, he's an outsider inside the United States, but then when he gets to London, he's also an outsider there. Well, and, because he's American. Yeah. Yeah. And then, But he also went to France. He almost ended up living in Paris, mm-hmm. um, spent some time in Germany, 
a very good with languages, obviously. Right. Okay, and, that makes a lot of sense. Kind of a globetrotter. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that's that's his his early life is like that, and he. Do you do you think you can be a poet and not have that to some extent? I think poets typically are, are watchers. Mm-hmm. They always sit from the. I, I think deep artists are always sitting from the outside looking in. Yeah, that's interesting because I I was doing a little research on Eliot and. The book I was reading was talking a little bit about how, like, the mist, like, Elliot as, like, a figure cloaked in mystery, right? Okay. Like, that there's the public Elliot and then there's the private Elliot, and we don't really know very much about him. But I think if you're a poet, you kind of get to see the secret person you are. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very like even though it's not like maybe literally you it is a part of what you're thinking about and like yeah. it's your inner i i think about the the way i think about poetry and when poetry is working it is something deeply internal brought to be external yeah as the poem from the poet to the poem and its power lies when the recipient Take something that's external and makes it internal. Yeah. So there has to be this transfer. And I, I do think that's an important way to look at the Psalms, right? Like the, the poetry that God wrote, that he's giving you something in a different form. Like we, we have history and we have the wisdom, right? And But you have also have poetry. Yeah. And it's important like to realize that the... the Different forms do different things, which sounds really dumb for me to say that. But you have yeah. to like you have to take it and say, why is it in this form? Why is it here in this way? And I think when it's poetry, it's there for you to get you know read it through all the way, but read it out loud. Like the sound yeah. of it is so important, and to make it internal so that those those little couplets of lines or that that whole like phrase will come together yeah in your mind and, and that mull it over you mull it over and that's what like you know god says to to meditate and i i, I think learning how to appreciate and enjoy poetry will aid you in learning how to meditate on god's word yeah when you look at how to read poetry you oftentimes people are like well what does it mean and I don't think that if you could just tell somebody what it means forthrightly that you're reading a poem or a very good poem. It's, no, it's funny that you say that uh, because, yeah, that you that idea of that it, it should be a literal like, one-to-one. Yeah. Right? That like, oh, it's a puzzle and if I find the key to the puzzle... Everything will make sense. Everything will make sense. I just have to put the pictures in the right order and then everything will make sense. Yeah. But even to that that exact line that you were you were saying is that there's there's a poem by Auden called If I Could Tell You and a recurring line in it is If I Could Tell You, I would let you know. Yeah. So it's like he's literally telling you like I can't you know, and the the poem's about like how time is the only way that you can find things out. Yes. Which with poetry, it, you have to spend time with it. And I think that's mm. why people get frustrated with it. Yeah. Because it, you have to spend time with it. Yeah. And do you ever have that when you have like 
emotions very deep or just just things that deeper things that you want to express and you don't have immediate words for it like somebody will be just like well well tell me what's the matter right mm-hmm. and i was like well i can't tell you what's the matter well why not because i don't even fully know what's the matter well that kind of sounds like the the conversation that's in the wasteland you know i i hardly knew anything about uh, mr elliott's works i knew he had written the wasteland which is the history of american television <laughs> yeah just say something yeah can't you say anything yeah. And that's that's definitely a deep human angst of trying to express. And that's where I'm like getting back to like was Elliot a secretive man? I again, I haven't done enough deep research to say who Elliot is definitively, mm-hmm. right? But I the idea that there's like this secret man, I think he was searching for identity. I think he is. So it's kind of honest like we can't you can be secretive, but you're also a secret to yourself. If that's what, yes. if that's kind of what I'm trying to say. You're a secret also to yourself. And he's trying to figure out who he is. And Elliot's very good at different voices and trying to discover identity. And then he keeps coming back to, like, who are you? Like, what actually is this life? Right. And that's, a, I think, a really cool thing with Elliot is that the, the, he he's able to portray so many voices. That's the questions of a philosopher too is like who are you and and why are you and what what how do you know what is? Like what is what is what is reality? Mm-hmm. What is what is permanent and what is real? Yeah. And he so part of the reason he didn't turn in his dissertation is there's the idea that he wasn't completely satisfied with with the answers found solely in 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 philosophy so he kind of abandoned the Mm. practice of philosophy Mm -hmm. now that may be or may may not be but well he definitely questioned a lot of things Mm -hmm. what was interesting is he he definitely what's what's funny is that he's like truly modern right yeah like he is like the the poster child for for modern uh, art, right? He is, yes. And, but what's interesting is what makes him modern is that he was not, he didn't like his contemporaries. Is that the right word? Yep. He didn't like his contemporaries. He was going way, way, way back. He was going back to Shakespeare. He yep. was going back to, uh, really to Dante. Yes. Right? So those, those are the people that he kind of based his his work off of right yeah, and, and so it's funny his... how like you go back so so long and you don't even have to hide your sources but people are like oh you're brand new yeah but it's not but it's not and i think that's something elliot old done in a new way and i think elliot with his um that line about time kind of shows you like silly people i'm not new <laughs> you, you yeah. know what i mean like it's it's oh and i d- deeply interested and inspired by augustine Yes, yeah. What was interesting about Dante is that uh, bef- he he did kind of see this, uh, I think maybe equipoise is the right word, but how can you separate Dante from faith? Can you be agnostic or, or atheist and say that Dante is this great poet? Can you say like the, the divine comedy is the the best poem 
right? Right. Can you separate the two? And so that's something that it was really interesting to hear, like how he grappled with that. Because I don't think he he was a Christian until 1927. I think it was after he he wrote The Wasteland. Yes. So it's it's yeah, he's just a very fascinating person. How he like he's yeah, well, I mean, just it makes him very honest. And he's living through a very fascinating time, right? So born oh, born, yes. in, born in 1888, he lives through the uh, both world wars mm-hmm. while in London. Yeah. So it's a very tumultuous time, and mm-hmm. you have you don't have old fashioned wars anymore by that point. Right, no. so the wool is kind of pulled off of people's eyes that like war is not a glorious thing at all. No, and we're going to just have massive amounts of casualties. Mm-hmm. And what do you get mm. after it? Yeah, like, England nothing. didn't get anything. No, there's yeah, there's no benefit to it. It's just yeah. everybody's dead. Yeah, has has that corpse? Yeah, sprouted? has that corpse sprouted? That kind of has it, will it flower? A little bit of like irony. And humor. That's something I think is also like kind of it, it, it escapes people if you if you start trying to be like, oh, it's Elliot. Uh, he he has a very good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, very you would, wry be, you would and... yeah, you would be remiss not to put a comedic spin on it. I think yeah. there's that that because like sometimes you make a, a deeper point when when it's funny. Yeah, and like I think sometimes he doesn't cuts. take himself as seriously yeah. as people take him. Yeah, no, yeah. Because sometimes he'll have nonsense um, languages, mm-hmm. made, made up languages, mm-hmm. right? And it's not, it's not to mean anything. Yes. Was he famous? Like, he was famous in his time. Like, The Wasteland yes. and um, the love song of... of um, J. Alfred Prufrock. Was very popular, right? That was his... Proof Rock was the first time he gained some notoriety. Yeah, yeah. So and it he... was it was well received by uh, the public, mm-hmm. but his contemporaries and the critics did not appreciate it. Right, because he's so new. He's kind of going against mm-hmm. his his contemporaries. Yeah, his, and his sentimentality it, of, of exactly. the time. He was like, you kind of think of Edgar Allan Poe, right? Is his contemporary. And yeah. very much about, like, the romantic and, like, get swept up in this sentimental and, like, you know, get this swarm of emotion uh, mm-hmm. just to kind of, like, almost like a one-sided emotion, you know, about, like, you know how we've said before that emotions come in groups? Yeah. But a lot, the problem with the romantics and the problem with sentimentality is it it shrinks an emotion and it makes it one thing. And that's, it's like, oh, it's the fear. And like, it's the, you know, whatever one feeling it is, that's what their, their goal is. And they, they do it right. They get it. They're very good at getting that one, but I've always felt it kind of leaves you empty because that's not how humanity works. Like it's very, it's a lot more complex. And when you read Elliot, you are getting, humor but it's showing a darker side and you're getting all these emotions stirring together which makes it much more complex and i think a lot more human oh you nailed it like that's why you read elliot that's the point that's the entire point right you're supposed to be getting lost and then you come through on the other side with a greater understanding 
of who you are. We hope. Right. But if you yeah. didn't, then you go back in. Yeah. But I, I, I think part of, like, enjoy the confusion, like, com- like, or enjoy the being lost. Sometimes you have to get lost. You know, like, the, the, the to... age of GPS, you, you still have to get lost sometimes. People with GPS get lost all the time. It's kind of a cruel thing to say. But, you know, like, sometimes you do have to people, just... People who rely on GPS all the time get lost really badly when they do get lost. Yeah. But, right, like, it's just sometimes it's good for you to get lost. And you may not... Well, I mean, as Daniel Boone said... You know, I've I've never been lost, but I've been a mite bewildered for a couple of days. Yes. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't mean you sometimes. To, yeah. Sometimes it's a good thing to just uh, amble about and get a mite bewildered. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, you know, you're someplace. Mm-hmm. Right. Wherever, wherever you were, wasn't it? <laughs> What's that line from Killer Elite? Don't know where we're going, but wherever we were, wasn't it? Exactly. Was it wherever we was, wasn't it? I don't remember exactly. Don't know where we're going, but wherever we was, wasn't it? I think that's what it was. Yeah. I'll put I'll put it in. Don't worry, folks. Okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. It's very important. <laughs> if you learn anything <laughs> uh, from a yeah from this podcast, is that how a random uh, Peck and Paw film dialogue fits in with Elliot? Exactly. That's the imp- Hey, all you ducks. This is Editing Megan here to tell you that I am deeply distraught and very upset. I cannot find the audio clip of the thing that I'm talking about, of the quote I'm talking about, and it's uh, most upsetting because there's this other movie called Killer Elite, and it's not the same. It's not good. Don't do it, people. Ah! So, watch Sam Peckinpah's The Killer Elite starring James Caan, and hopefully you'll find out what I'm talking about. If you take anything from this podcast, is watch that movie and read T.S. Eliot. If you learn anything <laughs> uh, from a yeah from this podcast, is that how a random uh, Peck and Paw film dialogue fits in with Eliot? Exactly. That's the important thing. Yeah. Actually, actually, I think Peck and Paw and Eliot go hand in hand. Like I think. Well, Peck and Paw is a very modern. Yeah. Director, and he also has fragmentation. Mm-hmm. His characters are a lot of times. Killer fra- Elite is very modern, right? Mo- there's, there's, yeah. a lot, there's a lot of fragmentation going on there. Yeah. I mean, literally, the, the, the good guy is broken up into pieces. Yeah. I just made that connection now. That was that's but that clever. Sounded, sounded clever. That's clever. Mm-hmm. So you you first read the hippopotamus, or yeah. was was read to you, and then later on. You started memorizing it, and then a while later, uh, you start reading Elliot again, or as you just said, hey, we should do a podcast on this. I don't really remember what went down, but all of a sudden, we you scheduled in that we were doing this. I was like, okay. Well, it's interesting so, so because- So what, what happened? Elliot, money to like be frivolous with, one of the frivolities was Audible. That I used, and mm. that, you know, that, that's um, what I did. Nice thing with Audible if, is if you're going to do it, you actually own the recording. I know, right? I respect that. So, that's cool. Yeah. So you actually do buy it. So yeah. that's that's cool. So you have it, you don't lose the so book. So you could, you could get Audible for a couple months, yes. buy a bunch of books, and then have that for a while, too. Precisely. 
And back when I did it, Audible was cooler. It was cheaper. You got... <laughs> it was cooler. Cheap equals cool. <laughs> well, so your monthly subscription got you more points that you could get buy mm-hmm. books with. Mm-hmm. But it, they like cut that essentially in half yeah. at one point. So you're basically doubling the price of, of everything. Yeah. But that's okay. That's neither here nor there. There was a lawsuit over it, and I probably could have gotten like one free book out of it. But... <laughs> Wow. Because they changed the terms of service, right? What a missed opportunity. I know. Go to court. Yeah. Give Um, me my book. Give me back my money. (laughs) Still one of my favorite scenes. In Mary Poppins? When there's a, um, what's that called? A run on the bank. A run on the bank. They won't give him back his his money. money. I want my money. Wait, what? (laughs) What a missed opportunity. I know. Go to court. Yeah. Give Um, me my book. Give me back my money. (laughs) Still one of my favorite scenes. In Mary Poppins? When there's a, um, what's that called? A run on the a bank. A run on the bank. They won't give him back his, his money. money. I want my money. Wait, what? <laughs> there hasn't like, oh. been a run on the bank in 52 years. <laughs> and then the guy dies. Then... So what brought you back to Elliot? So I, I got the audible, oh, yeah, audible were, yeah. of a lot of his collected poems. Okay. And... I would listen to those while working. Oh yeah, because that's what I like to do. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a lot of fun. The one thing I will. The caveat is that you don't always know when one poem ends and another one begins, mm. which is very interesting. But because you see how some stuff ties in together very well. Well, it's tricky. I can see that throwing you off because of something like the wasteland. It's told in different voices. Yes. So if you're not connecting that this is a new voice, like if you have like the April is the cruelest month, and then you go on to the next section that's not the same voice. Mm-hmm. Now, the actress did a good job of, of oh, good. breaking it up. Okay. But something like um, Proof Rock goes right into Portrait of a Lady. Mm. And it, when you're just listening to it, it sounds like it could be all part of the same poem, yeah. just a little fragmented. And yeah. they were published at the same time for a reason and how many people do you think are going to read maybe they would just keep reading a poem book book of poetry boy um do you think they just sit down and like you read it cover to cover i don't think most people do that no but maybe they do but i i haven't i i can't say that i have i might read one or two yeah together depending on the length and then, and then break it up. Now, you mm-hmm. you read um, Milton's Paradise Lost, and that's a book. Epic poetry is structured, I think. I mean, not structured, but it's it's, it's a, little a little bit, bit a different, different. Yeah. So but other than that caveat to listening to, to the poems, I, th- I highly recommend that avenue, especially if it's reading poetry is not something you do often. Having it read for you is a lot of fun. Because that can they be get intimidating. You ca- yeah, yeah, you can get the cadence a lot better. I now have a new rule for myself because I've tried off and on to read poetry and I'm like, I always like it, but I'm like, it's hard work. And then I give give up or whatever. I don't know what I do. I just I move on with mm-hmm. my life sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I've now come up with the rule that I'm just going to read it out loud to myself every time. Yes. But every once in a while... You start reading a line and it goes in a different direction. You're like, well, that was wrong. <laughs> All of a sudden. <laughs> and then you have to go back in ways. And you're like, wait, okay, now I get it. <laughs> it 
It's a little bit like when all of a sudden a statement gets turned into a question. Yeah. And you're reading it. You're like, you, Yeah. <laughs> and I shall be coming for dinner. <laughs> yeah. I, exactly. When you're reading a book out loud and you just mess up because you yeah. didn't. Reading aloud is a weird skill because you have to read ahead just enough, but not so much that you start messing up on the words. Oh, yes. It's a trick and a half. It is. That's why a lot of people don't do it anymore. But historically speaking, everybody read aloud. Yeah. Well, poetry, again, like reading these, I'm like, I want to sit around in the parlor and have people recite poetry. Like, I don't know. Like people you want to be in the room as the women come and go, talking to Michelangelo? Exactly. I, I, that was a nice, nice plug in there. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I don't know. Like, just like, people used to make their own music. People used to recite things. And I like, that just sounds so entertaining and enjoyable. In today's Singing day and age, songs. we just need to start reciting poetry on reels. Maybe. Maybe that's what we should do at Ducks Never Waver. Maybe we, we should, should give do you that. a dose of, of poetry. Yeah. That would actually be kind of fun. Yeah. I like the old stuff. Yeah. Just take those old records off the shelf. Sure. I like that old time of rock and roll. say about Elliot or is it a, like Elliot in his age is it uh like a biography is it like a a critique of his work is it like his influence on it on, it, on the on the world um all of all of the above it is a little bit of all of the above so he he gives you very good information about Elliot's life but it's not just about Elliot's life he goes into what Elliot dealing with his philosophies and his outlooks and his searching too, and how he wasn't a Christian and went and uh, ultimately became a Catholic and so on. But here he is talking about the wasteland and uh, a paragraph from Kirk is the wasteland would have been less coherent and more puzzling had not Elliot turned to Ezra Pound for counsel. So we find on examining Pound's changes Elliot, in part, recovered from his collapse. He had a physical, mental, a health breakdown. Yeah. Prior to um, completing the wasteland. Okay. Was the wasteland contributing to that, or? So. Does it seem kind of? With with that, people Read like into maybe it. put too much into it, then. There is. Yeah. So. So when it comes to that, people have crises of health all the time. <laughs> Tell me about it. It's hard to point to any you one can't. thing. No, that's I asked that because he had to say that you yeah. you can't. It is there are contributing factors and the things that you do in your life contribute to it, but you also have to live your life right. So there's right. some some things that were unavoidable, and then you still and, have a health yeah. crisis. And he had a difficult mar- first marriage, mm-hmm. and that the the difficult first marriage is sometimes like seen as like 
his 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 cross or his scar or his mm. thorn in the side that made him creative and I don't really see that because he wrote proof rock before he he was married. Yeah. And before his 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 wife went insane and it was all difficult and everything. Yeah. So I don't think you can point to those things. You can see that those sufferings that he went through in his personal life sure make Take him his toll on on a body on a physical yeah yeah but also make somebody maybe all the more wiser in how to explain and emote yeah that in their poems yeah. but also you have to say that this is somebody who has the poetic gift for being observant and ha- being yeah. emotive and so has, if you if you has put the time into studying the great poets mm-hmm, right and so like he i don't as far as I understood, he never was actually in the field in, during the wars. Mm-hmm. and But that doesn't mean that he doesn't understand the great suffering yeah. about being a soldier. Right? Because he saw all these people. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost worse because you see the, the carnage. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're, when you're in it, you see it slightly differently, I think. That's right. So, anyways, you were saying that he had a had a health breakdown, um, and then mm-hmm. Ezra Pound helped him put the wasteland together. Right. So he had Elliot had put a bunch of things in there, like the Hollow Men and the Dream Songs were originally part of the wasteland, but they were put into Elliot's minor poems. I think that's another interesting thing too. Is like po- poems are so condensed; like they're such mm-hmm. heavily edited things. Oh, they are. Every word is thought about. Yeah. You can't have any fluff. No. No, exactly. It's like every word, every word counts. So why do you think that people think that Elliot is hard? Or do people think Elliot is hard? Like what? I was surprised at the number of people who had never heard of Elliot. Mm. Okay. And therefore they don't think about him very much at all. Then they wouldn't, yeah, they wouldn't have an opinion. So that doesn't matter. So why, why should people read Elliot? Why should they? He speaks to the human condition in, in a way that is, is powerful and dense and very rewarding when you want start to unpack. Oh, look at this. What? Huh. Auden's debut book of poetry po- called Poems emerged thanks in large part to the support of T.S. Eliot, who championed Auden's early work and helped make him a household name. In fact, much like Eliot, Auden's poems are musically complex reflections on the spiritual and intellectual malaise of World War era life. Poems which hold up remarkably well nearly a century later. So I guess we're going to have to talk about Auden next. I love Auden. So I, if you I like, to read if you Auden. like Auden, then you'll like Elliot, and if you like Elliot, you'll like Auden. That excerpt is from Thirty Poems to Memorize Before It's Too Late, which is a super helpful book. It's really good. Uh, they go through all the famous poets, and they they teach you how to read poetry. They they have little essays about each poem and tips on how to to memorize. So this is a really, really helpful book. But Eliot has had such a lasting... I don't think we realize, like, what, how much he's influenced, like, the people who haven't heard of him. I think there's a lot of people who do realize what he's, he's done. But how many influences we've had from him. Just, you think about cats. Yes. Which is, is 
the musical the is musical based cats. off of his book, Old Possum's book, book of, of Practical Cats. Memory, turn your face to the moonlight. Let your memory lead you. Open up, enter in. And that was Which- just... Funny story about that. Yeah, book. so I wanted I brought this up because I I knew you wanted to talk about Old Possum's book of Practical Cats, uh, but yeah, like that's something that like I think everybody has heard of the musical Cats, yeah, and that's from his book of poems. Yeah, no, it's just funny because we were in a little used bookstore in a college town, and I found a very nice edition of Old Possum book of Cats, and so I bought it, and. I said to the lady check who was uh, cashing us out that, you know, I really enjoy Elliot and this was nice to find. I was like, oh, yeah, but like this isn't it basically gave me the stink eye for getting this instead of like raving on and on about the wasteland. I was like, it's like, yeah, I, I've read his other she, stuff, too. She was too. like, you know that his other stuff is much better. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and she's like, you you have to read the other stuff, you know, and Edwin's like, yeah, I already own it. Thank you very much. I didn't own this one. <laughs> like, I, I think it's interesting that like, somebody but, but, who... But, 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 this one has pictures. Yeah. <laughs> illustrations, even. But I think it's very interesting that the same mind who can write The Wasteland can also write books, write poems about cats that are not... Yeah, but if you, if you break it down, though, I mean, it is... Uh... It is it is poetry for for children, right? Or for friends. Or for yeah. friends, or like you know, it is, it, you know, I guess you could say on one level fluffier. But I think about actually an author that I was thinking a lot about when reading Eliot uh, is J.R.R. Tolkien. Yes. And he wrote The Hobbit as a children's story. Yeah. And yet, I would say as a piece of literature, there is much to be gleaned from it much wisdom and beauty in the hobbit whereas you can see as compared to the lord of the rings that it is a children's book yeah you know and so with with old old possum's book of practical cats you still see him playing around with many different voices right each cat is a completely different voice yes and you see him playing around with names, right? Because you have the names that are known, and then you have, like, the secret name, right? The, the given names and, like, the ones that yeah. just the cat knows. And you have... Yeah, which which brings up ideas about identity, even, with, within a cat. Like, what mm. makes a cat a cat? And, like, what is the cat's true identity? Because there is the identity that the human sees, and then there's the identity that... The only the the cats with other cats see, right? So, and then again, like you're saying, like making up like the nonsense, right? There's so much great play of language, and like the names are just yeah. fantastical. Like they're just amazing names that he comes up with. There is just like the, the naming of cats, right? Is, yes, is a whole poem. Yes, and like the name that no one would know that ineffable. 
name. So anyhow, I am about to uh, read a poem about a cat, and this has some meaning here tonight because this is a theater and this is a cat about a theater. After I recite this, you will realize what Mr. Elliot meant by miter in the cathedral. <laughs> And now here I go, head first. <laughs> Gus is the cat at the theater door. His name, as I ought to have told you before, is really asparagus. That's such a fuss to pronounce. We usually call him just Gus. His coat's very shabby, he's thin as a rake, and he suffers from palsy that makes his paw shake. Yet he was in his youth quite the smartest of cats, but no longer a terror to rats and to rats. For he isn't the cat that he was in his prime, though his name was quite famous, he says, in his time. And whenever he joins his friends at their club, which takes place at the back of the neighboring pub, he loves to regale them, if someone else pays, with anecdotes drawn from his palmiest days. For he once was a star of the highest degree. He has acted with Irving. He's acted with Tree. And he likes to relate his success on the halls where the gallery once gave him seven catcalls. <laughs> but his grandest creation, as he loves to tell, was Fire for Our Fiddle, the fiend of the fell. <laughs> this is an interpolation that I just did. <laughs> I have played, so he says, every possible part. And I used to know 70 speeches by heart. I extemporized back chat, I knew how to gag, and I knew how to let the cat out of the bag. I knew how to act with my back and my tail. With an hour of rehearsal, I never could fail. Had a voice that would soften the hardest of hearts, whether I took the lead or in character parts. I've sat by the bedside of poor little Nell. When the curfew was rung, then I swung on the bell. In the pantomime season, I never fell flat. And I once understudied Dick Whittington's cat. <laughs> but my grandest creation, as history will tell, was Fire for a Fiddle, the fiend of the fell. Later, somebody's going to explain that to me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> then, if someone will give him a toothful of gin, he will tell how he once played a part in East Lynn. At a Shakespeare performance, he once walked on Pat when some actors suggested the need for a cat. He once played a tiger, could do it again, which an Indian kindle pursued down a drain. And he thinks that he still can, much better than most, produce blood-curdling noises to bring on the ghost. And he once crossed the stage on a telegraph wire to rescue a child when a house was on fire. And he says, now these kittens, <laughs> they do not get trained as we did in the days when Victoria reigned. <laughs> They never get drilled in a regular troop, and they think they are smart just to jump through a hoop. <laughs> Another interpolation. <laughs> and he'd say, as he scratches himself with his claws, I think this is where they do it. Well, the theater's certainly not what it was. These modern productions are all very well, but there's nothing to equal from what I hear tell. That moment of mystery when I made history 
as fire for a fiddle, the fiend of the fell. So, I mean, even if, if that's like, I think that's where I started. Like, that's what I remember being the first Elliot. Old possum book, Cats. Yeah. You could do worse. You could certainly do worse. And if that's kind of like, I think that kind of shows you that poems are to be enjoyed. I don't know why, like, I was not taught this. It's weird what things you internalize and then you were never taught it and you know you were never taught it. You're like, this is what I think. No, like, it's just kind of like, ooh, poetry, it's difficult. It's not enjoyable. You have to work hard for it. And... And that's sometimes true. Sometimes, but the more I read it, the more I'm like, it's really not... As that is, it's not really the case. Just read it out loud. Read it a couple times. You don't have to read it a couple times over in one time. Like just read it, you know. And then, you know, once you've read it two, three times, then then you can. <laughs> the the floofs are fighting over the one water bottle. Yeah, they're well, trying to drink at the same time. They would probably fight over it if they're if the other one was up too. They have to eat at the same food bowl and drink the same water at the same time. There's two of everything, and yet they, they still they still fight over it. But no, I, I've learned through this how enjoyable poetry is. And just like when I started uh, a few years ago reading Shakespeare in a year, mm-hmm. and I, I think I lasted a, a couple months... It was impressive how I well read, you did. I read a, a goodly amount that I learned that you just can't read every note. It's great that they're there, but you just got to go with it and get into the language and get into the flow of things, and then the meaning will arise, or at least a surface meaning will arise. There's always yeah. You're always going to get something out of it. How many times have we watched Much Ado About Nothing? Yeah. How often do you get something new? Every time. Yeah. Every single time. But the first time I watched it, I understood enough of what was happening. Yeah. To enjoy it. Right? But now, as I've watched it for the upteenth time, I I enjoy it even more than the first time. And I think that's the, the wonderful thing about poetry. The wonderful thing about tiggers is tiggers are wonderful things. The tops are made out of rubber. The bottoms are made out of springs. The bouncy, trouncy, flouncy, pouncy, fun, 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 fun. But the most wonderful thing about tiggers is I'm the only one. Is that you, and like Elliot especially, every time you read it, you're going to get more enjoyment out of it. And that's why I think like people like, it's not a take your medicine kind of thing. Yes, it will feed your soul and rejuvenate you to sally forth, right? Like, that's yeah. like what we're here for is to tell you the things that will feed your soul. And sometimes you have you have to eat good things to be fed well, yeah. right? But it doesn't mean that it's boring. It doesn't mean that it's hard. Yeah, it's just because fun. You, just because you have to eat your vegetables doesn't mean that you can't put bacon on them. Exactly. It can be delicious, right? There's no reason why it can't be both. And actually, the better something is, the more enjoyable it is. Yeah. You know, so it, it's so I, I would say that's what I took from from studying Elliot, and I I really want to read 
uh, his his critical works and his his poems because his mm-hmm. what's what is it called well, Cr- critique his work as a critic yeah his work as a critic is changed is, how critics worked and just yeah. like that's he brought such a sensibility to it like such really able to to delve into to the meaning of the these works and so his his critical work I really am interested in and his and his plays but. I am on a really good roll with his poetry, and I, I hope to continue. Yeah, and expand outwards from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's another uh, modern poet, which we probably have heard of. If you've heard of Eliot, it would be Frost. Yes. Yeah. So they're very different, but also very similar. Yeah, isn't that the the thing? And like, I was thinking too, an author that reminds me a lot about Eliot is Faulkner. Yes. Where Faulkner brings a poetic prose. And mm-hmm. sometimes people get a little bit like, oh, what is he saying? And if you ever get stuck with Faulkner, I, I would recommend reading it out loud. Yeah. Because it's a lot of it is the feeling of the words. It's, it's written like poetry, but it's in yeah. novel form. Yeah. I think, I think it was uh, Faulkner who said, all writers first aspire to be great poets. Failing that, they strive to be great novelists. Mm-hmm. Failing that, they settle for being okay short story writers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something he would say. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you going from here? Are you going to study more about Elliot the Man reading from Russell Kirk? I am, yes. I'm going to delve in deep also to the the uh, implications philosophically and politically from his work. Elliot is well known for being conservative, but like a, a, a true conservative, like in, in the line of of Burke and so on. He's the one who said that we fight not because we will win, but also because there are certain things worth fighting for. There are no mm-hmm. there are no lost causes, just as there are no won causes. You you don't you don't have the positions you take in life because you think you're going to win because the whole idea of winning is is ridiculous history goes on and i think i think that's one of the implications of of Elliot is that you need to find a way to humble yourself inside of history and see that man is a very small giddy thing mhm for man is a giddy thing and this is my conclusion i like this poem from Auden. the first three lines time will say nothing but i told you so time only knows the price we have to pay if i could tell you i would let you know so that's what you're saying like with with time yeah we'll make make fools of us all exactly We'll finish off by reading The Journey of the Magi. A cold coming we had of it, just the worst time of the year. For a journey, and such a long journey, the ways deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter, and the camels galled, sore-footed, refractory, lying down in the melting snow. There were times we regretted, the summer palaces on slopes, the terraces, and the silken girls bringing sherbet. 
Then the camel men cursing and grumbling and running away and wanting their liquor and their women. And the night fires going out and the lack of shelters. And the city's hostile and the town's unfriendly. And the village's dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches, with the voices singing in our ears, saying, This was all folly. Then at dawn, we came down to a temperate valley, wet, below the snow line, smelling of vegetation, with a running stream and a water mill beating the darkness, and three trees on the low sky, and an old white horse galloped away in the meadow. When we came to a tavern with vine leaves over the lintel, six hands at an open door dicing for pieces of silver, and feet kicking the empty wineskins. But there was no information, and so we continued, and arrived at evening not a moment too soon. Finding the place it was, you may say, satisfactory. All this was a long time ago, I remember, and I would do it again, but set down. This set down. This. Were we led all that way for birth or death? There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence, and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us. Like death, our death, we return to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation, with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. It's so good. It's so good. Holy Toledo. And that doesn't make you want to read Elliot. Slap you upside the head. I know be pleasant. We hope you have enjoyed the Ducks Never Waver lunch break. If you would like to fill your senses with more Ducks Never Waver goodness, you can feast your eyeballs on Instagram and Facebook. Touch some of our beautiful pieces that we will ship right to your door by ordering them through Etsy. Or you can continue hearing us on this magnificent culmination of auditory recordation. Donation buckets are in the description for you to invest in the betterment of this podcast. We will work diligently to read and present interesting topics. Your hard-earned money will be joyously and gratefully spent to improve your lunch break. Want to keep your hard-earned money? And who doesn't? You can still support us and yourself by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing this here podcast with all the other ducks in your life. Stay quacky.